This is the official Caps Chirp Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Troll, and I'm back with another incredible episode of the official Caps Caps Chirp Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. A typical Monday epi with a little bit of non-typical, if you will, content. We're going to be discussing the All-Star Game, and there was one single game that I was actually able to attend in Columbus, so I'll talk all about that. Um, <clears throat> on Thursday, we should, I think I'm just going to go ahead and review like the, uh, the whole greatness movie. I thought it was really good, but, uh, we can deep dive that on Thursday. So tune in on Thursday and we'll get talking about that. If you're an OG here, we thank you for continuing to come back. You know, the format, you know, the deal, but if you're new here, typically that's how it goes. Monday's a week in review and some league news and Thursday, uh, is usually just like, Something something segmented and, and hopefully and usually an interview. So let's pop some tabs and get going. One, two, three. All right. Got some really uh, interesting news on, on the waiver wire. Well, on the trade wire, I should say, not the waiver wire. Uh, Bo Horvat for the Isles, uh, or Bo Horvat to the Isles, I'm sorry, from the Canucks, for Bolivier and Aturati. And a conditional first rounder. Whew, I mean, that is a lot. That's a, that's definitely um, <laughs> a bit of a mortgage of the future, I'd say. I think uh, Ratty was somebody that was touted as is going to be pretty good. And then Bolivier, he's uh, he's been a mainstay for the Islanders for a while. And then the conditional first. I'm not exactly sure of the conditions. I'm be honest, I was too lazy to uh, look them up. But it's conditional, so it may come back. Um, the Islanders then immediately extended Horvat for eight years, eight and a half million per for a total of sixty-eight million dollars. Uh, talk about securing the bag. Uh, I think that's a lot of eggs, though, for the Islanders in one basket. I don't know. You know, talking to the Never Say Die Pod on the Hockey Podcast Network, Grumpy Old Shout Out Grumpy Old Man and TJ, they just want to tank for a high draft pick. They'd love Bedard. Um, I feel like they've been, they've been tooting the tank horn, if you will, for a long time. But if you look at this trade, you know, Horvat, you know, if at this rate at eight, eight years, if he hits 30, which I believe he's like 27 now, which I didn't realize he was so young, it always catches me off guard. Um, if he drops off past 30, it's bad, (laughs) bad for the Islanders could be an albatross contract. But if he continues to perform at this level, uh, the contract should hold value. And, and with the antistic, anticipated like drastic raise of the salary cap, uh, provide the Islanders options to keep or move him. But, you know, as they say, life is a gamble. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I wonder what Bo Horvat will do. Uh, you know, coming to the Isles. I, I like him. I think that the... But I, I kind of think that the Islanders had a... Bo Horvat light in Anders Lee. I don't know if uh, they're going to be able to, if he's going to take him over the, over the hump. I'm not sure. And, you know, again, this is a team that's outside looking in on a playoff spot. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. That's the big news. Magno was traded to the Kraken. 
the Sharks received a fourth-round pick. Some other league news during All-Star game, or All-Star kind of weekend, Sarah Nurse was put on the spot uh, and was offered a job as the face of the, the girls' and women's program at the War Memorial Rinks in Florida. Uh, I think that's a pretty cool thing to do. I, I would love to see another woman, another woman of color, uh, working for an NHL team. And uh, we all know Sarah Nurse's credentials are stacked to the roof, probably better than uh, most men out there. So good for her. Uh, she said yes, but obviously I'm sure there's a ton of things that are that are going to need to be going around. I'm not sure if this is a publicity stunt or not, um, but I definitely hope that or it's good to see that Sarah Nurse has options, that these women, these elite women athletes have options for sure to, you know, uh, work in the sport beyond playing because Sarah Nurse is still very able to play. I would assume that she's got another Olympics to go to, maybe two. Uh, who knows? I mean, she doesn't seem to be slowing down. So her, her hockey career is, is 100% healthy and thriving. So interesting to see. Interesting to see. Um, speaking of the All-Star game, it, it happened, I guess. I, I never really get too into the All-Star game. This year I did watch the skills competition, though. So uh, just as a FYI, the Atlantic, I guess, won their 3v3 tournament. Um, Ovi and, and Crosby... I guess they just wanted to hit the bar early. I don't know. Uh, these games are always just such a formality. I mean, it's really great. It's it's all for pure entertainment, but it seems like because of the 3v3 format, trying to be as exciting as possible, there's really no defense or anything played. Uh, it reduces the amount of guys that can go to the game. I don't know. I mean, it's just kind of... There's been talk of changing the format. I wouldn't mind seeing a mix-up, but at the same on the same, like, I understand why they did it to make it more exciting and, and whatnot, but I feel like, uh, nobody tries in them anyways. And the three V three, like you're not back checking that. I mean, OV threw his fucking stick during a game. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's how serious the guys are taking it. Um, <clears throat> moving on though, to what I did watch the skills competition was an absolute fever dream mixed with an acid trip is, the pacing of the whole thing was just wild. Like they would have half an event and then they go to commercial and then do another event without finding the winners of the original event that they started. And they'd circle back around and finish the event that started three segments ago. Um, they had guys like on dry land that must've been pre-recorded and then aired because they were also at the, on the ice. Like it was just, um, just a, a a weird kind of existential, you had to not think that things were in a linear path at all. I don't know. It was weird. Uh, on to the events. There was a surfboard thing and dunk tanks, so that idea made it in that we were talking about. <laughs> uh, I guess that's that's funny and cool. I mean, at least we got to see Ranton and Dunk Crosby. That, that made my day. Um, there was a hockey golf event, which was kind of cool, and I liked it at least, but that's because I'm obsessed with golf and hockey. If you're not obsessed with golf, I could definitely see it being very dumb. Very dumb. Uh, but Nick Suzuki won that, by the way, with a birdie, which is um, pretty pretty good. Pretty damn good. It was a par four they played, uh, and they started off with pucks on like little synthetic ice tiles, Till they got to the green, then they had to put in using hockey sticks uh, and a golf ball. 
makes sense. Makes sense. A puck probably wouldn't fit in the hole, and that would be just terrible to to do on the green. Uh, onto an event that people actually care about. Elias Peterson won the hardest shot competition with a slapper that hit 302 miles an hour. I mean, you break 100, that's insane. Ovi hit both posts on his initial shot and then came in at 95.1 miles an hour on the second, which is good for fourth place. Uh, second to last in front of Seth Jones, who only got up to 94.7. Uh, I will say, though, Ovi only got to record one shot because he technically missed the net on his first, dinged both posts. Uh, I think that shot was easily 230 miles an hour, so I'm just going to be outraged and, and say that he was robbed, for sure, 100%. Svechnikov won fastest skater during the loop in... 13.699 seconds. Nice. Ovi, Sid, and Ovi Jr. won the breakaway challenge. That was very cute. I guess, and I don't really know the accuracy challenge. Brock Nelson technically made it to the finals, even though McDavid did it faster in under 10 seconds. Um, I don't know. It was confusing. The goaltender challenge was also weird, and I'm not even sure what was happening. The goalies were like, tasked with playing the puck and shooting it down the ice to score uh, and then taking Russia rushes like immediately after. So there's like two goalies, one in net, one shooting. Uh, Saros and Hellebuck ended up winning whatever the fuck that was. So I hope that has enriched your life uh, based upon that information for the all-star game and skills competition. Um <clears throat> I'm trying to think back, like, what the best one I've ever seen, the skills competition was. You know, I really liked it when they did, like, the slalom and the stick handling challenge. It really did show, I thought, like, their skill and stuff. And it wasn't, like, weird and kitschy, like, we're shooting pucks against surfboards and you got to hit it hard enough to knock the surfboard over. I, it was just, it was very weird and very Florida. Let's just say that. The, the, the All-Star game this year was 100% Florida vibes. Some injuries. Uh, one injury, actually. Nyquist likely out for the season for the Blue Jackets due to a shoulder injury. That's a tough bounce for the struggling Columbus Blue Jackets. But, uh, hey, you know what? That's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. And we're ready to move on into the Washington Wraparound. But first, I have to tell you about Raycon. Uh, it's a premium audio brand that does earbuds and headphones. And you know what? They're pretty sick from all accounts that I've heard. Definitely really nice. Um, and additionally, you can get them for half the price of other premium audio brands. You can do <clears throat> the, the cool part about them is there's three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, noise isolation, awareness mode, custom gel tips for the perfect, most comfortable in-ear fit, crystal clear call quality, water and sweat resistant, and the cool thing is, is that they'll last for eight hours for everyday earbuds or 11 everyday speaker hours of playtime. If you're ready to buy something small with a big impact, go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off buyraycon.com slash THPN. Enjoy that 15% off, buy those earbuds, and thank us later. Also, are you ready 
for the biggest Sunday in sports. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the of Super Bowl Fifty Seven, has all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just five dollars and get two hundred in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get in on the Super Bowl Fifty Seven excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boosts. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time to see what prop bet will be posted. I don't even know who's in the Super Bowl, I'm going to be honest. Um, I think the Eagles are there. I don't know. <laughs> I You can see, I this is where Polly would have helped me out here. He would have known exactly what was going on. I definitely don't follow football. The Commanders are a joke, so I'm kind of out of it. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Capstans, let's talk about the exciting week in review for the Washington Capitals in today's Washington Wraparound. All right, first things first. The most exciting news during the All-Star break, Ryan McClellan was just furiously cooking up storm, um, making deals and extending guys who I think all of Caps Nation agreed proved themselves this season so far and have been really good pickups for McClellan. Um, it's two guys who've been literally given like a, a basically a one was actually given a real kind of PTO. The other... Uh, well, not really a PTO, but picked up off the waiver wire after being cut from a PTO. And then the other is a guy that was highly sought after, a centerman that we got uh, in the offseason and got got a little bit paid, I'd say. So the first one, Dylan Strom, he was extended for five years for $5 million a year. That is a centerman for $5 million a year. Um, I mean, we talked about how important strength down the middle is in the NHL. It's what the Pittsburgh Penguins relied on during, you know, during the entire Sidney Crosby years. We've extended Strom for five years. I mean, if Strom even plays third line minutes, you know, he's, he's a steal. You look at Lars Eller and, you know, Lars Eller's getting paid more than that. Um, I really like this signing. It shows longevity. It shows faith in a guy that I think that deserves it. And on top of that, <clears throat> we've got him through his prime, man. I mean, this is a guy that he's going to need to re-sign around the age of 30. But uh, at that point, you know, maybe he's looking at another five uh, for more or less. I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what we're doing here, what the Washington Capitals decide to do with Dylan Strom or what Dylan Strom really decides to do as far as testing free agency in five years. But uh, I really do think that we're getting some of the best years that we can out of Dylan Strom. Um, To go eight years here for less money would have been a little bit of a handcuff. Uh, But obviously this is a high enough term where the Washington Capitals have shown they're very serious about Dylan Strom. Now, this contract also outpaces the Ovechkin and Backstrom contracts. So we may be looking at a number one center at $5 million a year for a couple years here. That's, uh, that's amazing, right? Uh, considering, you know, Kuznetsov, if he stays number one or number two, he would be, you know, he, he's making around eight or nine. So super 
solid move. I would say brinking on team friendly. And I think that's a really big testament to the organization. And then you look at Milano, who has extended three years at $1.9 million a year. That's that's a 100% raise for what he's doing. But let's be honest, Sonny Milano should probably be making like 1.5 this year. Um, we got him for like a league minimum, which is around 900K anymore. T- just tagging another million on per year for three years. You know, I look at both these contracts and let's just say it just doesn't work out. Jake, a la Jacob Verona, Andre Burakovsky, uh, you know, these guys get paid and they stop trying, whatever it may be. Uh, even at $5 million, Dylan Strom is a serviceable third line center for any any team in the NHL. So I think that that's an attractive contract that, that if need be, could be moved. Um, and then Milano for three years at under two. Uh, you look at the body of work he's put in. I wouldn't say that Sonny Milano is like a completely one-faceted player, but he definitely leans that way, right? He needs It's a guy who needs time and space, but he also has a lot of creativity on the offensive side of the puck in controlled zone entries and things like that. Um, this year, you know, Alan Mays harped on it. He's he's really ha- got kicked in the teeth. Uh, thought he was going to make it in Calgary, did not. Did not get a qualifying offer from the basement dwelling Anaheim Ducks. Uh, got cut from training camp and then was immediately picked up by the Washington Capitals. I mean, this is a savvy move, and and obviously there's potential here. But Sonny Milano clearly realizes that his career is on the line. The longevity of him playing in the NHL is on the line. So he's definitely, you know, smelled the roses or the coffee or whatever and woke up and needed to uh, to perform. He has. And I wouldn't say that he's, you know, completely secured the bag. But you look at this guy at the, the rate that he's performing now, I think it's a steal. And the Washington Capitals... Are basic, this is basically a show-me contract, right? Show me for the next three years, uh, and not just for the Caps, but for the whole NHL and Milano himself. Show me you know, what you got over the next three years, and you're still young enough that you know, in your 30s you could be getting some big money or bigger money, right? Maybe more like the five for five that Dylan Strome got. So love it. Really good stuff. Um, happy about this. Now, <laughs> there is a downside. Next year, the Washington Capitals do have to, uh, they re- they really have to figure out what's going on up front. Luckily, and this year we've had pretty much an embarrassment of riches in the center position due to the injuries and the things that we had to do to make moves. Um, so it's well planned. Uh, I think the forward core is basically, that's it. I mean, I really don't think that we can be doing too much more next season. Um, and obviously even in, in this season. But when you look at the blue line, I think this signifies that we're probably going to let some of our UFAs that are on the front end go, up front go. Um, and even more so, we're probably going to have to let go of or let a couple high dollar defensemen leave. So this is just kind of like a forward thinking, uh, you know, vibe check from me. I'm obviously not privy to it, but just the way the numbers are working out, there's definitely going to be a bit of, I mean, I think that this signifies that the Washington Capitals are going to move on from at least a couple of the players that you are watching night in and night out as of right now. Um, but this could, should come as no shock to any of you. I, I think that, you know, as much as we'd love to keep our blue line, all the guys that we have here intact, Teams change year in and year out. 
It's just the nature of a salary cap confined league. <clears throat> Uh, it'll be interesting to see what what this does. What you know, so the the Washington Capitals have played their hand a bit here, right? They've shown early that they're going to re up the assets that they have, kind of signifying that look, anybody who's coming in now is either going to be a bargain player or a rental, um, or <laughs> the third nuclear option is that the Washington Capitals are going to be moving an expensive piece that is on the team right now for something huge. Um, I think that in the order that I've just said, those are in order of likelihood to happen. I really don't think the Washington Capitals are going to go do anything crazy in this in this uh, waiver wire or this trade deadline here. Um, and moving up to next year, uh, I think the Washington Capitals have, have definitely played their hand a bit, um, both for the deadline, showing that look, we we never we didn't have money before. Now we're committed to this money next year. Like anybody that's going to come in. If they're going to be here long term, they're going to have to take a team friendly deal or we're going to have to clear space in some major way. Um, you know, this does make the Lars Eller move uh, that a lot of Caps fans want, um, I guess, more realistic. And I do agree that like on the skill side and on the age side and, and on the money side, that Lars Eller is a bit of an odd man out here. At the same time, I still think Lars Eller is, is a beast, so I don't hate him being on the team. Um, in any case, what I don't want to happen is Dylan Strome and Sonny Milano taking their foot off the gas. They need to now show that this was good money well spent. Let's talk about the Columbus game. I was in Columbus for this game. Uh, shout out Kayla, my girlfriend. She got me some tickets and a hotel room, and it was a really, really good time. Um, probably one of the best times I've ever had in Columbus. Uh, Columbus is kind of, um, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a weird, it's a weird city. It's, it's, it's based around the college, but there's also a lot that you can experience. That's not, uh, the Ohio state university, right? So it's uh, a ton of, uh, other corporations that are there. Victoria's secret, you know, I think Abercrombie and Fitch, uh, clothing, Medical is big there as well. So lots of things in that city happening. Um, and, you know, we, we were walking around in this crazy cold weather and it was, it was good. You just had to, you know, make sure you're good and liquored up and got that, that was liquid long johns on. Um, the fans, first of all, really cool. Uh, I sat in a section with a few Caps fans, but there were two season ticket holders to my left, to the left of me. We chatted up every once in a while. I asked them if they were season ticket holders. They're like, yes. All right. And and let me tell you what, folks. These guys, these two guys, the father, son, they had the dream set up for me, at least, as being a regular schlub, um, you know, and for probably a lot of people. They were about center ice, the bottom of the upper bowl, got to see the whole game, everything that was going on. You know, not super close, but close enough. If you've ever been to the bottom of the, of the upper bowl, you know, there's a quite a big distance from the top of the lower and then the bottom of the upper because of the uh, the luxury suites section and then the bars that are in that, that top of that lower bowl area. But as far as cost effectiveness, like that's the best place to be if you're going to look for a somewhat semi-cheap ticket that you can see the entire game on and still experience like everything really well. But here's the kicker, guys as soon as you 
walked out of the exit onto the concourse from their section because they had the two end seats. You just walked out the nearest exit to the concourse. Boom. As soon as you walk out straight to the right, men's bathroom. 20 feet to the left, women's bathroom. It was amazing. You know, within puck drops, you could go and like take a leak while the game's going on and then just come back. It was, uh, it, they thought about this. They thought about this. And, and to be quite honest, they're fucking geniuses for it. So shout out to those two that I was sitting next to. It was a really good experience. They were friendly enough. Uh, as soon as we won an OT, they didn't even they didn't even look back. They just were out. All I saw was like two dudes leaving. <laughs> it was it was not good. But hey, you know we chatted up. Uh, I I was telling them I think Columbus has a lot to, a lot of thing a lot of pieces to build around. Um, they're just gonna need to do it. So who knows what's gonna happen if they get Bedard? You know, and they were obviously just like the um, the subjectively podcast uh, who was on here. Uh, skeptical that even if they did tank that they would get the first overall pick but hey anything's possible guys i mean come on so pretty good experience 10 out of 10 would recommend catch a game there uh pretty affordable all the way around and you know there's some nightlife that you can go to there's the north market pretty cool stuff in uh in columbus to spend a day and just kind of go eat some food and drink some drinks and have a good time at a hockey game to the game though in the first, uh, you know, we're watching the Caps getting on the board f- with about five minutes in the first with a tip shot off of Lar- or a tipped Lars Eller shot. Uh, I think Garden Hathaway ended up getting credit for that. It was a couple deflections in front. Uh, good goal. Uh, Caps had a lot of chances, period, but Corpusalo really did keep Columbus in uh, this first period for sure without things getting out of hand. With about five left in the period, TVR did pump a high wrister. A uh, high riser, I'm sorry, on net for a nice goal through traffic, but it was a one-timer. But 12 seconds later, the Jackets punched back with a double deflection from the point and in on Charlie Lindgren, who was manning the pipes in this game. So it's 2-1 after the first. Uh, pretty competitive game. You know, three goals in one period, and you're, the, you're a visiting team. Hey, I love to see it. I mean, it was, it was super exciting when the Columbus Blue Jackets score and when they come out in for, for every period. Uh, the cannon goes off and you forget it's there and it scares you. It does. You're going to get got at least once if you go to a Columbus Blue Jackets game in nationwide. <clears throat> in the second, it was a good period for Columbus. It really started to tilt the ice in their favor until Kuzi found TVR again in front. An incredible play by Kuznetsov who who just shook that high cover as he was skating with the, the, the feigned backhand pass that he's so good at. I mean, the ultimate head fake guy. I mean, he just really sells it uh, on his defenders. He shook his defender, went south of the goal line to make just an incredible backhand dish, a sneaky dish to TVR, who was wide open in front of the net for a berry. The Jackets, though, fired back minutes later on a two-on-one odd man break for a Robinson goal that Lindgren really had no chance on. And, you know, when I talk about how competitive this game was, I mean, it was the Columbus Blue Jackets were not laying down for this in front of the all-star break. They had no intention of just mailing it in. Uh, the Washington Capitals, though, at times seemed like they did. Uh, they were letting the Columbus Blue Jackets run, run them a little bit. Uh, but luckily, I think that the elevated skill of the Washington Capitals paid off. Uh, solid systems and and good D at the end there really helped. 
Uh, in the third, the Caps seemed ready to go home, like I'd said, at, at certain times this period. While still getting shots, they were letting up some good chances. It included a Johnny Hockey Airmail Beer League special that he made no mistake on to tie it up uh, late in the third, <clears throat> which sent us to overtime. Now, obviously, I'm pissed off because I want the Washington Capitals to get two points out of this, but I'm also happy because that's free hockey, baby, and I'm at the game. Might as well see as much as I can. The free hockey did only last 30 seconds, though, in the overtime period as Kuznetsov uh, show was in full effect. Uh, the Washington Capitals won the, the faceoff, took it back behind their own net, got the personnel they wanted on, dished it to Mojo, who was puck taxi into the zone. Kuznetsov kind of goes over him for a drop pass, which connected and caught Kuznetsov in about three-quarters stride, where he took a wide-open shot and just blew it past Corpusalo, who was not happy about giving up that far side goal from the right side. Um, that was an incredible goal. It was it was awesome to see, very exciting, um, and uh, love to see the OT winner. I uh, love to see overtime in general live because you know it definitely heightened heightened the the excitement. You know, uh, the but I will say the Columbus Blue Jackets made this an incredibly competitive game, really good game, and it was awesome to see them again live in their barn. I've been to the Blue Jackets barn twice, uh, and this is my third time. This is probably one of the best times uh, I've been for sure. Uh, and. The, the kicker to this all is the Washington Capitals needed these points desperately. The Capitals are three points ahead of Pittsburgh and retain that first wild card spot. But Buffalo, the, the New York Islanders, and Florida are all knocking on the door with 56, 55, and 54 points respectively. Uh, it's going to be a wild stretch. The Washington Capitals have 50 um have 60 points, and the the Pittsburgh Penguins have 57, I believe. So, and the, and the the Pens have games in hand. A lot of teams have games in hand over the Washington Capitals, which is making this even more precarious. So we, you know, you look at that three point lead in standings, and really we're basically just ahead in in position, but point totals are relatively the same. If you if you take into account the amount of games that the Washington Capitals have played versus everybody else. Uh, looking at the Metro at large, though, Carolina has a stranglehold on it, with 76 points quietly solidifying their play and becoming dominant. You know, early on in the season, New Jersey was feeling themselves, punching maybe a little bit above their weight, but still a team not to be slept on as we had predicted in the preseason and or in the early parts of this season. Right now, we're looking at the New Jersey Devils who have slid uh, as of late and have 68 points, and then the New York Islanders are behind them with 62. Only two points ahead of the Washington Capitals, might I add, blocking that third division position. So... Big story here, big picture, is the Washington Capitals just need to win as many motherfucking games as they can. I mean, that that's obvious, but at the same time, this is a key point in the season. All-Star break's done. This is We're starting down the stretch right now. The Washington Capitals are two points out of a division spot. 
and only three points ahead of the second wild card. So if the New York Islanders can maybe shit the bed for four or five games and Washington Capitals can get their act together and, you know, guys got paid, maybe get some healthy Tom Wilson back in the lineup, continue to see Nick Backstrom being Nick Backstrom, Ovi's dumping him in the net a couple more times. I mean, the Washington Capitals are, are really set up, and I say this uh knowing that I'm probably going to jinx them, but they're set up to really start, you know, they've really got to prove themselves. They've got to put the rubber on the road now, but they are set up to start moving up the the standings. Now, do I think that they're going to catch Carolina? Probably not. Uh, New Jersey even seems to be a bit of a stretch, but if the Washington Capitals can get that division playoff, uh, you know, position, you know, I, I, I feel good about it. I feel good about it. I mean, there's Tampa Bay mixed in there when it comes to the middle middle playoff spots is how the how the uh, seating will be hashed out right now in the standings. But, you know, I don't feel, you know, I think New Jersey's good, but I don't know. I mean, I feel okay against them in a seven-game series. Um, you know, uh, the big thing that we want to avoid is like Carolina or or uh, the Bruins, the powerhouse Bruins on their historical year this year. So, Caps fans, hold on to your butts. It's going to get crazy. And the Washington Capitals need every single point that they can get. And whenever they play a metropolitan rival, they need to win in regulation just to make sure that theres they're not leaving any loose ends out there. So that's what you have to look forward to for the next couple of weeks. Um, I did forget to – let me look up really quick what our next games are. But – the Washington Capitals really need to come back from All-Star break rested and ready to go. Uh, being the banged-up team that we are, I think that it's going to be, uh, you know, it's 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 just, it's going to be madness here next. And, and the strength of schedule coming up does not look incredibly favorable for us. So, on the 11th, at 3.30 p.m., the vaunted matinee on Saturday against the powerhouse Boston Bruins. It would be incredible to come back to this game and win. I mean, that would be amazing. And that'll be at Boston. Let's just be honest though. That's a, that's, we're talking about stretches. That's the ultimate one. Uh, The next day back at home in DC for another matinee against the San Jose Sharks the 14th, Carolina at 7 p.m. Uh, at home, then Florida at home, 7 p.m., and then Carolina again at their barn at 8 p.m. on the 18th, which is Saturday. The rest of the month includes Detroit, Anaheim, the Rangers, and Buffalo. All important games. I really only see a few games there that, you know, two games really. I mean, Anaheim and San Jose are ones that, you know, you could you could probably mark down as as scheduled wins, if you will. But the Washington Capitals and the rest of the league really are off until next weekend, this upcoming weekend. Um, meaning that the Washington Capitals, just, I don't know how many times I'm going to say it this pod, but they, they just need to win. Um, and February still looks a bit rough. So we're talking about strength of schedule. The Washington Capitals month per month are past the big hump. But right now, uh, coming out of All-Star break, they need to just come out firing uh the rest of this month is going to be tough this could make or break the season in february uh you know march seems to be a little bit more chill but it's 
nothing's guaranteed, and there's really you look at the amount of games that that are left. The Washington Capitals, it, it's grind time, baby. So, what do the Washington Capitals do on on Sunday and Saturday and Sunday? I'm thinking that they go one for one. I think that they'll beat San Jose, and I think that they might get absolutely destroyed by Boston, but it'll be a great litmus test to see what the Boston Bruins are actually like. I'm looking forward to seeing the Boston Bruins and seeing, you know, are they are they worth the hype? Obviously they are, but, you know, matinee game, maybe they'll be off their game as well, just like the Washington Capitals, right? They're, they've got an older team. Waking up, not getting your nappy in before the game may may benefit the Washington Capitals. All right, Caps fans, tune in on Thursday. I'll be talking about the greatness movie, and uh, it'll be probably just a pretty quick epi, but uh, we'll deep dive that ESPN special that's just come out. And until next time, it's Hockey Troll signing off. Hey Caps fans, thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Chirp Podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trolling on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow the show's handle, at Caps Chirp, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Special thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network, at HockeyPodNet on social, and thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. The Hockey Podcast Network, every team, everywhere. Check them out, or we're not friends anymore.